Quick, come up with something funny to say. Hello? Yo. Fork. Oh, that's really cool. Somehow I think you're lying. Uh-huh. Oh, fail. Oh. Ah! Bad Philosophy, episode 57. Recorded live, January 24th, 2010. Philocalypse how? Hello, everyone. Welcome in. One, two, Bad Philosophy, episode 57. We have been upsetting the balance of reality one rabbit trail at a time. Three episodes into this new year of 2010. I'm your host, Stephen Torrance, and I'd like to introduce to you a couple of gentlemen who will lead us through today a discussion of the end of the world. First up, we've got Kevin Saunders live from Oxford, Ohio. Kevin, how are you? I'm doing okay. Good to hear. And second, uh, recently broke his leg and is uh, now high on on something. Jed Cummins. Hello. Um, again, why do I always wave when I do that? But yeah, I'm uh, I'm here with uh, two broken leg bones. So it's it seems like a great day. To talk Don't make him feel too sympathetic. Yes, uh, yeah. audience. Two broken leg bones on one leg. Yeah. Oh, true. True. <laughs> He still has one good leg. That's that's uh, the bright side of this whole situation. <laughs> yes, uh, but for now, thank you, <laughs> Jed. As I understand, you uh, you recently broke your leg in a skating rink. Um, some mm-hmm. some kids tried to uh, tried to have a fight on the the middle of the rink, and you uh, avoided barreling into them. But unfortunately, it cost you your leg. Is that about yeah. right? Well, really, I did barrel into them, so I feel like it. You know, at least I rolled over one of them and. Maybe hurt him a little bit in my leg-breaking expedition. <laughs> so yeah, well, it serves them right. Yeah, <sighs> kids these days. Kids get off my lawn. Mm-hmm. So we are talking about the end of the world today, and you know, it's it would probably be an appropriate episode for 2012, uh, the end of the Mayan calendar, the. Yeah, whatever. When the world is yeah, supposed 2010 to. Twenty ten is just the year we make contact. Yeah, exactly. I mean, all all we do is is find the um, uh, that that the aliens around Jupiter are are uh, just hanging out on on Europa or Io or one of them. It's it's Europa. Did you even isn't read it? the book, Stephen? No, I I saw the movie. Um, oh, I'm sorry. It is Europa. All of these worlds are yours except Europa. I remember that. But okay. anyways, no, it is not 2012. So the world. Technically, um, has a couple of years yet to uh, to contemplate how it will go out. Do we have uh, to buy new calendars? Yeah, exactly. Till we have to buy new calendars. <laughs> so I just want to want to ask y'all, gentlemen, first and foremost, this whole end of the world thing. It fascinates us as a species. We've been predicting when the world's going to come to a catastrophic end for. Thousands and thousands of years. Since it began. Um, yeah, exactly. Basically, since we were conscious of the fact that we were living in a world, we were thinking about ways that it might all of a sudden come crashing down around us. Most of the time, uh, folks who predicted the end of the world have been wrong so far. Um, <laughs> so far. We're still around <laughs> so far. Uh, many, many... Prophets have come and gone predicting that the world would end at various times, and people mostly either A, laugh at them, or B, keep following them and hope that their later prophecies will actually turn out to be true. Um, I personally fall into the former category, thank God, and pretty much don't put any stock in in these myths. Now, you gentlemen, why don't you uh, give us some opening thoughts on, you know, what do you think? What do you think about this whole end of the world thing? Is the world going to end soon? Is it not? Do we care? If the world ends soon, I'm doing things wrong. Which is not to say that I'm responsible for the world to continue. I just don't think that uh, I would be wasting my time trying to get a master's degree if the world was going to end in two years. So I'm I'm voting for the let's hope and everything doesn't die and you know fire and I just glued my fingers together. Um, but on the whole, it's definitely question mark. Well, I'm I have a little bottle of crazy glue. Oh, and I'm, I'm gluing things. Okay, I glued these batteries together. So is it called crazy glue because it makes you crazy enough to glue your fingers together? No, it's just, it's usually inten- unintentional. Also, I'm currently working on making a Mobius strip. Sorry, we're talking about the end of the world, though. 
Um, <laughs> I I don't foresee the end of the world in the near future, but well, that's comforting. If it does happen, I want at least twelve hours of notice because that would during be more which fun. you would do what? Don't know. Um, probably have a party, but not like a good party, like a stupid party. Stupid party. You know, shooting guns into the air, throwing watermelons on cars. Basically doing all the things you're, you're not allowed to do because of civil society. Yeah. I mean, not all okay. the things I'm not allowed to do. I wouldn't kill people because really, just wait 12 hours. But... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Other than that, you know, being as free as I want to be. Hmm. Speaking of freedom, I, I just found a new quote, and it's I don't know how true it is but i like it and it's a karl marx quote which i didn't think i like anything karl marx ever did but i think it it fits into this better that the whole world would be destroyed and perish utterly than a free man refrain from an act to which his nature moves him so if that were to happen then you know spiffy not spiffy Spiffy into the world but well yeah it would be it would be funny if you know, a free man was refrained from an act to which his nature moved him, and that caused the end of the world. Mm. You know. So, I... Jed, what uh, what are the drugs telling you? Well, the drugs are telling me. Um, well, I I think first of all, we should probably define what you mean by the end of the world. Like, is it mm. you know, it it ceases to exist, or is it the is it that society is yeah civilization or society as we know it ceases to exist well, because here's... i think those are two different pretty distinctly different because if it's you know the world no longer is i'd say that's pretty boring i'd just you know go on like hey i had my 12 hours notice i'm you know gonna go crazy and then you know everything's gone anyway so it doesn't really matter but if it's more of a you know post-apocalyptic kind of thing where you know it's society or civilization is reduced to, you know, maybe 1% or a tenth of a percent of it, of what it formerly was. I think that's much more of an interesting dilemma. For, so you're, okay. you're hoping for a stand, uh, the stand, Stephen King's The Stand versus, say, um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy Under the World? Yes. Yeah, exactly. So. Okay. Um, well, well, let's, so now that we've made those two distinctions, we've got the, the apocalypse that does have a post-apocalypse, and then we've got the apocalypse that's the apocalypse. It's the end of the world. Like, the end of everything, everybody dies, that's the end of it. Um, <laughs> how many types of the first kind can we think of? Uh, I, let's just trade off naming one at a time. Zombie apocalypse. Okay, before we go on, I, wa- I want to mention this earlier, but I forgot... <laughs> Um, no, I, it, you meant you, your bits on your comment. I okay. think just for the, for the, you can say that, but if we're on the whole, I think we should avoid zombies since we did a whole episode on that. Eh, okay. And I don't want to retread. We'll mention it. Sounds. We can but mention not... it, but you can call zombie apocalypse. Yeah. That's fine. Okay. Jed. Okay. Um, meteor strikes earth. Small enough that it doesn't absolutely destroy the planet. Yeah. Okay. Kevin. Uh, nuclear holocaust in the fifties. Okay. Um, non-zombie epidemic. Oh, damn. I, ha- I had germ warfare, so. <laughs> Come back to me. Come back to me. World War Three. Okay. Massive conventional war. Yeah, conventional warfare, you know, where okay. everybody actually follows the Geneva Convention and we just kill each other with guns and knives and sticks. That's boring. We've already had two of those. Yeah, we, hey, but we didn't destroy the world from it. Yeah. That's why it's the third one. You know, three evening, Three-ning. World War Three, World War, World War Three. I can't do it. My camera's out of line. World War Three. Is Kevin throwing gang signs? I, I think possibly. Yes. Yeah, okay. If, if you're sure. just listening to the audio, yeah, Kevin is is doing strange things with his fingers right now. <clears throat> Come on, is that all we can think of? Let's let's be more imaginative. How about you know earthquakes? <laughs> And natural disasters, a la day after. Uh, aliens using us for food. Yeah. Aliens okay. was another. Aliens. So uh, dollhouse esque. Again, I know we we're all Whedon fanboys, but you know, some type of a uh, 
Thoughtpocalypse? Yeah, Thoughtpocalypse, so the Matrix, Dollhouse, you know, that, that going down that type of road. Uh, Skynet becomes self-aware. Mm-hmm. Okay, Skynet. Which I'm still robots. pissed that, but that per- prediction didn't happen. So the, uh, the Robopocalypse. Well, can we summarize all of them into the into a, a yeah Robocalypse? Robocalypse. Robocalypse. Okay. For some unknown reason, technology fails to work, and we go back to a feudalesque society um, where those who can survive on their wits and sticks alone roam the land, ruling everyone else. So I got a, I got an idea just now uh, with something in the chat room. I'm inviting a couple of people to come join the show. I'd like to try something we've never done before. During this little brainstorm, why don't we have callers? Do so, you know how to do that, Stephen? Yes, I do. It's it's very easy, actually. Okay, so joining here, on, joining us here on Bad Philosophy is our first ever caller. Uh, Margaret is calling in from University of Washington. University of Washington, right? Um, so, Margaret, what is your first? suggestion for an apocalypse where the the world ends and there's absolutely no post-apocalypse oh gosh i don't know why you have me on the show right now <laughs> come on just throw something out there Stephen's trying the, to make us look legitimate all the best <laughs> you were here when he tried that god damn it kevin just shut up and let her talk <laughs> it's it's good keep talking keep talking maybe i can um, come up with something i don't okay know. so so how about the three of us go first with a okay we'll go first total and then we'll apocalypse and then margaret can uh chime in at the end okay cool yeah. um asteroid big enough that it completely obliterates the earth and the earth breaks apart all right um ice caps melting drowning everyone okay so water world yeah but that would be the former so i'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. thinking like you know we just don't even see it coming we all die so so they super melt really fast world, and then worldwide and flash flood. yes <laughs> okay um kevin the earth stops spinning literally all at once the big round thing that we're on stops spinning and the rotational inertia that we still have that we don't even notice sends everything that isn't nailed down <laughs> flying out into space and probably lots of stuff that actually is nailed down <laughs> Oh man, that maybe maybe we should go for well plausible plausible apocalypses. You didn't want plausible. You just wanted okay. things that would destroy right. the world. I picked okay. one. Oh, and finally, Margaret, what's yours? Okay. Um, well, beyond some people trying to uh, mediate how others react and having a bad reaction and ultimately creating a group of people who uh, kill everyone. This is a Firefly reference, if I'm not okay. making this clear. Other than Reavers taking over the world, I really <laughs> cannot think of anything that is legitimate. Although, maybe legitimate isn't what we're going for. I'm <laughs> exactly. not sure. So, so <laughs> something completely <Yes>. illegitimate. <laughs> so Reavers. Reavers! Yeah. All right. So, does that count, though? Because, like, I mean, they're are, feels... Do we define Reavers as a post-apocalyptic type of thing, or I kind of have feel they like lost because... their humanity? Like you know, yeah. I guess that if you go if you go Serenity, more... if, you, if you look at the Serenity version of it, because we're going to Joss Whedon now, apparently. Okay. <laughs> Joss Whedon's had a lot of apocalypses in his time. Anyway, if you look at the Serenity version of it, um, where they kind of retconned what Reavers really were, mm-hmm. then I would call that a full apocalypse um, because those that could leave the planet did in fact leave the planet leaving a dead husk of a world yeah yes that's what i'm thinking that's okay. what i meant <laughs> okay so uh, i knew that i knew that's we... what you meant margaret I, I didn't take your 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 thunder no no by all means <laughs> take it it was it was it was not good thunder to begin with. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, uh, thank you for, for calling in, Margaret. We'll have to have you as a, a full guest on the show at some point in the future. How's that sound? Oh, great. <laughs> I can just, I can just you sound less than enthusiasm all the way from, yeah. I just, oh, yes. Well, okay. Okay. Good. Good. Yeah. That's good. All right. See you back in the chat. <laughs> okay. So, um, to go off something... Bad philosophy, where you're a guest whether you want to be or not. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yes. Oh. So, Kevin, you mentioned that you feel that the uh, Serenity Reaver story was a little bit retconned. Like, in in what way? I've. Um, it's actually not anything from within the movies and stuff itself, but um, just what some of the creators have said about it, and how it wasn't that wasn't initially what the Reavers were. That was sort of done because of the change in medium. Oh, so to wrap the movie up a little bit better and uh, make it more interesting. Yeah, they, they took that and, and kind of built the movie with that. Because actually, according to Joss Whedon, the first script he wrote for Serenity was like 250 pages long and was basically season two of the show. Mm. And oh. as awesome as that would have been for, you know, fans, it would have the rest of the world would have been interesting like, uh, <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. Is that, uh, is that script out there? I don't think so. Not to my knowledge. If it was, I would have read it because I actually collect movie scripts, particularly okay. ones for movies that don't exist. The Crowded Room script, uh, it's called A Crowded Room, mm-hmm. was at one point in time going to have uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in it. Fantastic script for a movie that never got made. But a guy with um, one of the first like big cases of multiple personality disorder and as it separate from other things. And based on a true story, really good. Cool. Well, so now that we've got this this sort of um, database, this this list of ways that the world could possibly end in our imaginations, why is it, in y'all's opinion, that this idea of our society uh, either ending completely or ending and transitioning into something completely different uh, fascinates us so much? You know, why why do we like to think about these doomsday apocalypse scenarios? Let's start with uh, Jed. Well, for me, um, this actually brings me back to a conversation that uh, we had when Kevin was still in Lubbock. Uh, I believe it was at Bless Your Heart one time. We were talking about the uh, you know, post-apocalyptic type of fiction and things like that. But I think in general, just as a uh, choose-your-own-adventure type of deal, like what would you do in that situation is always an interesting way to look at things and you know, mm-hmm. to wonder if you have that skill set to be – you know, if you know enough about how, you know, the internal combustion engine works or computers or GPS or things like that, that that you could, you know, be able to utilize those types of technologies um, once, you know, all the folks that, I, you know, you're relying on today to use them have perished, I think mm-hmm. is always an interesting, you know, it's sort of a, you know, do you have, are you enough of a renaissance type man to be able to have those skills to survive if you were, were indeed one of the one of the few to to survive afterwards so right and you kevin well just on that i think it's funny that oftentimes when you talk to these people about that the people at least that i've spoken to all plan on being one of the ones that survive the initial catastrophe but when you when less than one tenth of a percent of the population is coming out alive if we're in that situation, I'm probably not going to be the one that survives the catastrophe. I'm going to be one of those people that dies pointlessly and stupidly when a printer lands on my head. Um, <laughs> Is that, that how you want to go that's, out, Kevin? <laughs> that's not how I want to go out, but that's the point. It's one of these things where it's not about you know a big valiant you know TV moment. It's all those other people that die when. Captain Trip shows up and, you know, they sneeze their brains out. <laughs> yeah, that would suck. So you're saying that it's very much that, you know, everyone assumes they'll be one of the lucky ones and, you know, obviously really seem that to. won't work out. Well, you, you can't have everyone be the lucky yeah. ones. The lucky ones will hate themselves. I, I didn't see The Road, but I read part of the book. And, I mean, that's a depressing novel. About hmm. you know after the end of the world, the world ends and people who are alive are not lucky. They're just not dead as quick. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's... I, I kind of I get I get where you're going with that, Kevin. I and I I agree. I think the folks who uh, who probably will survive, the vast majority of them, will be folks who don't have any survival training really. Maybe you know there's a boy scout or two in there somewhere, but. You know, folks that, that have no idea how to to make water uh, when there is not, like, water on tap, um, no idea how to hunt, uh, no idea how to protect themselves from the elements, uh, just 
you know, average people who've, who've lived in luxury all their life or, or relative luxury, you know, air conditioning and McDonald's and that sort of thing. Um, and they will, I mean, they'll just, yeah, they, it'll, it'll suck. They won't die immediately. They'll die a few weeks later of hunger or, or thirst or, you know, exposure. But in, in spirit of your first question of, of why we like this so much, I think it goes back to that idea of being the ones that survive. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I think the big part of the apocalypse is that it changes the world. And it doesn't change the world like the Internet changed the world or like indoor plumbing changed the world. In that they did change the world, but it was in relatively slowly manageable chunks um, I mean, certainly 1950 is, is a different world than 2010. And I said it like that just to bother you, Stephen. Mm-hmm. So those, those world-changing events are boring. They're silly. The polio vaccine, sterilization of needles, whatever. Yeah. Um, pasteurization, all these things change the world. But we want a big, sudden, amazing change in the world. And... Yeah. What we see in the world is that all big sudden changes are generally negative. Earthquakes, torpedoes. Torpedoes change things very suddenly and negatively, especially if you're in a submarine. And <laughs> yeah, I was kind of wondering why you said torpedoes. <laughs> it's what came out. I'm not always in control. And, but things of that nature. And we see destructive entropy so much destructive change and tropic change so much quicker than we see productive change mm-hmm. um, because we're fighting entropy and so it's it's really easy to expect that entropy comes over and so when we play our little mental fantasy games you know the paradox of fiction all that jazz the one that we see as more likely are these end of the world things mm-hmm. Jed did you have a follow up on that? No, I I mean I I think that he brings up a very good point there as far as, you know, it's it's interesting for us to to consider to consider that as a problem and to, you know, because you know, I think realistically the the intelligent people out there understand that our society is quite the house of cards, you know. It's mm-hmm. we're um I always think of you know it's an interesting saying that uh I believe Isaac Newton you know talks about standing on the shoulders of giants um I I almost think that our society is less on the shoulders of giants and just more on you know the you know whatever we had around so it's you know just a very frail and you know fragile type of type of built up society rather than on the shoulders of giants implies much more of a something that well, is, like will my withstand stack of batteries that I'm holding. Yeah. Like your stack of batteries. I'm, I'm I I have for reasons that aren't really important a giant bag of dead batteries. <laughs> and a bottle of crazy glue. And I'm stacking them upon each other making not exactly a pyramid but you know a triangular prism of batteries and okay. the top one is is an alkaline, you know, I think it's it came came from China. It's like the one that comes in your remote control. And then I have two energizers, and all the rest of them are my dead batteries. And it's the work of all the dead batteries in life that are the giants upon which we are standing to get to the one little bitty one at the top. And if they weren't glued together, I could break them apart really easily. Is that yeah. what you're saying, Jed? That was quite the metaphor. Yes, that – well done. So, so really, yeah, we are, we're standing on the accomplishments of a society that's been built over 5,000-ish years. Um, all of the technological advancements of agriculture, of, uh, of you know, electricity just barely 150 years ago, um, all of that we rely on. The, the precise uh, timing of shipments of food around the country, of oil refineries constantly working to power our cars, of, of you know, generators on the other side of the state giving us, us light and, and microwaves, <laughs> um, all of that you know, working in concert to, to sustain this, this thing that we call our world. And really, I think you, you hit on a great point there with the fragility. We recognize that... If any one of those elements were to go away or were to fluctuate sufficiently, 
we would not be able to live as we do now. It's why we freak out so much, I think, when oil prices start to start to rise or when, uh, you know, food starts to become scarce in a certain area or even when, uh, you know, certain supplies become scarce somewhere. Um, everyone sort of freaks out because that's, it's like a taste of what it would be like to have all of that fall away. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely think that we're, we're fascinated by the fragility. Now, why, why then do we, do we like to make disaster movies, uh, where the world completely, I'm trying to think of actually a disaster movie where the world completely ends and nobody survives and none are coming to mind. Usually somebody survives. But... I mean, even in the uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy scenario, I, I posited where the world gets blown up unexpectedly. One guy. There are still well, two, two people. Well, there's a thing. Even then, there's yeah. still two survivors. <laughs> a male um, and a female, coincidentally enough. I think, as far as like, and this is a scenario we didn't really discuss, is, um, you know, the world ending in more of a time travel paradox, which I think mm. is um, because the movie that came to mind was Twelve Monkeys, where you know. And I believe you discussed that on the New Year's Eve episode of uh, BF for the New Year's episode that I was unable to make it for. I don't have 12 Monkeys in that. Oh, well, it, at some point I remember Kevin saying something about 12 Monkeys and the time traveling that, you know, what will be will be or sort of sort of a thing. But I think okay. that's that's a very interesting, you know, where, you know, they try to change the world and try to change what had happened. But that despite their best efforts, you know, that world ends and, um, you know, it, it, it really is a more post apocalyptic fiction, but you know, you always, you always think of the time traveling fiction where, you know, we can, we can save it and we can make it better. But, you know, I think that one had a very dark view of it's not, it's not going to get any better than that. So. Life sucks. And you kill your grandfather. <laughs> exactly. Well, no, um, you know, going back to the time travel thing, I think there there were definitely some possibilities that we didn't even fathom. Um, I mean, there is, granted, the, the whole Hitchhiker's Guide, uh, you know, Earth pops out of existence because of a, um, we're in the plural sector, so space is weird. <laughs> but there's also the, the legitimate possibility that there might be some sort of astronomical effect that we haven't identified yet, um, you know, uh, cosmic strings aren't terribly well understood uh, and they could be you know fluctuations in gravity that would suddenly pull the world out of its its own space-time or you know we could have some scenario like with the Large Hadron Collider where a black hole is created through some miracle of physics uh, and the world is sucked into it um, but what what of those situations where without warning the world just comes to an end. I mean, is there anything we can really say about that, or is it just tough cookies? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's one of those situations where there isn't... I mean, we don't really focus on those, um, I don't think, culturally. Mm-hmm. I mean, as you're saying, you're having trouble thinking of one just because... Um, we always want there to be a little bit of hope at the end. You know, even 2012, right. it's supposed to be about the end of the world... There's hope at the end. There's actually talk of making a 2013 TV show uh, about what happens after the end of 2012. Because why not? And so we, we want that hope to be there. Although, you know, I think if you compare us to the dinosaurs, we got a long time to go. Because dinosaurs lived for a few million years at least. Yeah. I, I don't know my history or paleontology. And we've only been, you know, around as humans for a percent of that, uh-huh. maybe. Um, that math seems wrong. Yeah. We, we've been around as humans for a lot less than the dinosaurs were around as dinosaurs. And if, so I think we got time to prepare. We're smarter than dinosaurs because we can build the slap chop. And we can do things like redirect asteroids. Um that that's one scenario that that we are actively preparing to to fight against. Uh, there, NASA and a few other agencies, I guess, are monitoring many objects that could potentially slam into us at various points. And there actually there is one. I forget the name of it, but we'll know here in a couple of years. Uh, it'll pass through like a, a region of space close to Earth, and if it goes through this this little 
window will know that in 20 years, in like 2036, it'll impact the Earth uh, with catastrophic effects. But in that 20 years, since we are technologically advanced, we have the ability to build a ship, to fly to it, and to use um, nukes to redirect it away from its path. Yeah, but do you think we'll do that? I mean, you know, it's very, there's a possibility. <clears throat> well, well, no, not, it's not about blowing up or... the rock, obviously, but, you know, it'll be something very boring. You know, we build a ship, it flies there, and it blows up a bunch of nukes that redirects it. Exactly. I mean, it's not like we're going to assemble a dream team. It's like, get me Chuck Norris and, and uh, Harrison Ford, and we'll put them together and put them on a space shuttle. And No, it's not going to work like that. Oh, speaking <laughs> of dream teams, have you all seen the preview for... Um... Stallone's new movie? No, but I have heard about no. it. I'm, I'm looking it up real quick because I can't remember the name of it. Um, but it's going to be amazing. And it's it's basically the dream team uh, of people who are still working in action movies, doing yeah. like a major action movie. It's called The, the Expendables. Um, let me pull up the cast list for it. Comes out in 2010, so it's coming out soon. We've got Sly Stallone, writer and director. Okay, first of all, do y'all do you, do you remember the moment you realized that Sylvester Stallone actually wrote and directed all of the movies he's famous for? No. That moment would be right now for me. So. Okay, so we can, <laughs> wow. we can experience it. Yes, Rocky and Rambo, Sly Stallone both wrote and directed Wow, um, he's I always thought of him as kind of just like. Well, you think of him as this big dumb character that he yeah, that's exactly. played. Wow. Um, but so he's he's writing and directing it. Uh, Jason Statham is in it. Hold on, I clicked the wrong page. Um, <laughs> Mark Wahlberg, uh, Matt Damon. <laughs> no, good Every Ricky Mark is in it. I don't no. know. <laughs> um, Jason Statham, Jet, Jet Li, uh, <laughs> Steve Austin. Oh my God. Wow. I mean, this is this is a crew, and it's, it's something he's wanted to do for a long time. Mickey Rourke is in it, um, <laughs> Terry Crews, um, Dolph Lindgren, I don't know who that is, um, Eric Roberts, but, like, a lot of big names. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also cameos by Bruce Willis, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, yeah, he's coming back to film <laughs> for a cameo. <laughs> um, but it's going to be epic. It's, it's basically Stallone making this big you know a team of mercenaries head to south america to overthrow a dictator and they're, but they're called the expendables mm-hmm. and it's the dream team of action movies i mean he, sylvester stallone jathan statham and jed lee together in a movie alone would be fantastic yeah but you know all this other stuff and there's there's apparently a scene where like him schwarzenegger and somebody else like all meet up and like have a moment yeah. Well, uh, fantastic. Definitely looking forward to that. When's it supposed to come out? 2010. August 13th, 2010. August. All right. Fantastic. we got a while. But yeah, we got a, a while to anticipate it. Um, well, I was going to, while you were, were talking about that, Kevin, I, I remembered a, a short film that I that my uh, roommate's girlfriend shared with me recently called uh, Forever Is Not So Long. And uh, it's about a year old, won pretty much every award that a short film can win at the uh, the indie circuit of films. And it is, it's about, I think, 12 minutes long, essentially about a guy, it, it just starts out with a guy in his apartment in New York, and he turns on the news, and the asteroid, which was set to hit somewhere in the Midwest, and um, he was going to be safe because it was outside the uh, the fallout area, um, is now predicted to hit basically midtown Manhattan. So he finds out that in four to seven hours, I forget how long it is, I think it's like seven or eight, um, he will die. And he does not have time to get out of range of this, uh, four hours, thank you, Margaret, uh, to get out of the range of this um, asteroid. So it's essentially what he does with the last four hours of his life in this short film. And he ends up spending it with a random girl that he bumps into literally on the street. Uh, They sort of go through the motions of a relationship during this period of time. They, They read a magazine sitting next to each other. They cook a meal together. They screw a couple of times and generally do all of the things that they would do otherwise. But it's the end of the world. And... 
it's not until right at the end of the film, right when the asteroid's about to hit, that they sort of, it sort of really dawns on them. And, you know, it, it definitely sinks in. And then they sort of open up and do, like, the honest heart-to-heart. Um, but it, it's, a, it's an interesting film about, you know, what would you do if you only had four hours left to live right now? Like, you, you think that you're going to be okay, and then you get that, that really brief warning. Kevin, you said 12, but... Yeah, I just pulled you know, that number what, out of my hat. But. Okay. What what would you do if you had, you know, say let's say half a day to live? I don't know. Like, like that's right a strange now, question. you have half right a day now, to live. Right now, what would I do? Um, to be honest, I'd probably set fire to some of my textbooks first and foremost in the middle <laughs> of my living room. Um, okay. That would be my first, my first just like of what do I have here right now that I can do something with. I can make fire. And I think it would be funny to set some things around it. Um, Kathleen mentions family in in chat. I am not, in any stretch of the imagination, 12 hours away from my family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's no way I could get on a plane if the end of the world was happening in 12 hours. Um, any plane that would exist would be booked. Um, all the phone lines would probably be jammed. Um, yeah, let's assume that that you have you basically have to be where you are, you know, I'm, or within I'm more or less stuck in are. Oxford in the surrounding area. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a lot to do. I would I would probably devolve into wanton destruction very quickly. <laughs> um, either that or spend a lot of time with my girlfriend. I mean, those are my two options. I'd be so, pissed. I'd be You'd pissed, be pissed too, Jed. But, okay. Well, I. The world's ending in four hours, and I have a broken f-ing leg. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would take know, the rest of the run. Run. <laughs> Yeah, I would, I would chug this bottle of meds. I think at that point, but uh, well, wait, that's a legitimate question. So, would you would you then be like, oh, I'm going out on my own terms? Like, would would you would you kill yourself at that point? Like, I think I I talk the big game right now. I would not. Okay. It in reality, I would. You know, I would chance it, you know, just assuming that like, hey, maybe I'll be one of, you know, again, I'll, I'll assume that maybe I'll be one of the lucky few. Because if you if you assume that you will not, you know, I was thinking about that when Kevin said everyone assumes that they'll be one of the few. You know, I think the assumption that you won't be is, you know, then there's no reason for hope. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think yeah. hope is a huge part of it. So, yeah, I, th- I think that's a good so if you've completely lost all hope, that definitely changes things. Exactly. Hmm. Yeah. Um, well, although there's an interesting book, I never I finished it. Um, that is is about you know life at, at the end of the world. Um, it's called I'll, I almost said Under the Dome. It's a new Stephen King book. Um, On the beach. And it's basically maybe six months left in the world. Ninety-five percent of the world, the large portion of the world, is already dead. Um, and the only people left are in Australia, where the fallout hasn't gotten to yet, but it is on its way. Um, and it's—I mean, I've only read maybe a quarter of it, but it's—it's it's a very interesting sort of look at that, and it's depressing, and it's kind of like. How do you go on when it's not 12 hours, it's six months? Mm. It's, you know, you've got to keep eating. I mean, you, gotta, I mean, you, you want to keep eating. You want to keep doing these things because you have to have hope, as Jed is kind of saying. I mean, if you, if you don't have hope, there's no reason to keep going on, and you might as well just kill yourself. Hmm. Um, so, it's, so I think that the six months question might even be more interesting than not. Of course, that's a question we, we kind of see that with more regularly, you know, every time someone's given 12 months to live because of, you know, cancer or age or something like that. Yeah. The show's kind of taking it dark now. Well, and, and granted, we don't, we don't get dark too often, but I think you've hit on a, on a very good point there, Kevin. Is it almost if the, as if the disaster movie thing is sort of a projection of our own fear of death? Like, we fear our own lives will end someday, but... The disaster movie is kind of an amplification of that. It's it's not only do our lives end, but everybody's lives end. And in that, we almost find some solace, even though and and, and like the one person surviving is sort of that that glimmer of hope that we have that maybe there's a life after death, that maybe a few people survive the death of the world. Maybe we will survive the the death of our own body. What do y'all think of that? That's what I got. I mean, I'm I. 
I got hope. So, okay. but, but I mean, I mean what do y'all think of that as as an, as an analogy, though? Like, is it is it is, are we sort of doing that on some level? Absolutely. I mean, you know, that's yeah. I think that you know, people. That's part of why people, you know, and again to call back on a former episode of episode of ours, um, mm-hmm. you know, talking about why people, you know, why people watch scary movies or why people have. Like, you know, why why you would watch a scary movie or a fantasy film like, you know, it's clearly not something that's mimicking your own life, but it's calling upon, you know, it's helping you elaborate on that. What if, you know, Mm -hmm. and so when we ask these questions, you know, like, what would you do if you if the the world was definitely going to end in 12 months or what, uh, you know, or six months or 12 hours or whatever, it's almost the answer to it is almost the same as, as what would we do if we were, we ourselves alone were given, you know, that much time to live, um, even though the rest of the world would go on. Um, granted, I mean, there are certain differences. You, you obviously prepare for, to leave something for the people who will survive. Um, but it seems to me like it's still an analogous thought process that you would go through. Yeah. It's... Well, so now that we've uh, we've gone to the dark side here on Bad Philosophy, um, <laughs> <laughs> upcoming disaster movies, do we know of any? I don't know of an upcoming one, but um, something, you know, when Stephen, or I'm sorry, Kevin uh, was mentioning, you know, the rotational inertia thing, and, you know, I, and it made me think about the implausibility of a lot of you know, science fiction films and especially the core type ones where they have to restart the sun. I always thought was, you know, an interesting yet horribly misinformed idea about how things work. So, um, you know, I just wanted to, wanted to talk, you know, if, if we don't have any ideas of some of the ones that are coming out in the future, some of, you know, maybe talk a little bit about, you know, we, we kind of conjectured about our, you know, what are what are things that we think might be the end of the world but what are some things that are just horribly improbable that people have you know made millions of dollars in in a film about <laughs> the core yeah <laughs> i mean the day after tomorrow the stuff we've already mentioned for sure but i don't like you know, my I cold even, yeah <laughs> i think even 2012 like it's uh uh water world <laughs> definitely um, um i mean the zombies what was it, Stephen? The Zombocalypse, you know, the, these sorts of things. Yeah. I found uh, Independence Day, like, upon later, very improbable um, that this this powerful um, people, the railing race who wanted to use us for food, would kind of destroy us because yeah. that's that's like, you know, going to a really intelligent farm and then dropping a bomb on it. Yeah. Cows, there's there's problems with that strategy. You know, I like I like Kevin that both of us thought of cows when we thought of of, of animals that we eat. <laughs> I eat cows. I eat pigs too, and chickens. And uh, but yeah, that's it's a good point. And and you actually you brought up something interesting, which is the whole aliens thing. I, I don't. Did we mention alien disasters in our? I list? feel like hitchhikers uh, uh, count. Okay, I that's, thought about yeah. aliens if we didn't because the Vogons it. are aliens. I mean, they they essentially do the Independence Day thing, but on a much bigger scale. Yeah. But um, I I think actually a, a better question would be what are, and, and this relates to the whole idea. I know Kevin, you've used this term before, but the idea of disaster porn um, that we we somehow get off mentally on these disaster movies. Um, what are some disaster scenarios that maybe Hollywood hasn't done yet that y'all would like to see or that y'all speculate might happen in the future? What a question. Mm. Um, well, I will say, and I Twittered about this a while ago, um, the new sci-fi movie of the week coming out soon is called Sea Serpents, and Ooh. it's about snakes on a sub. Ooh. Which I love. I, I Just hands down, I love it. <laughs> because it is everything a sci-fi movie should be a sci-fi Saturday night movie, not S Y F Y not science fiction. Right. But, uh, I love those freaking sci-fi Saturday movies. So, yeah. Kind of tremors ask, uh, you know, 
Oh, Tremors is fantastic. I have the Tremors attack pack, all four Tremors films. As do I. <laughs> That's awesome. I have not seen a single one, actually. Oh, Steven. Yeah. Once we finish Battlestar, that'll be uh, that'll <laughs> be we next. finish Battlestar. Win. Four is a little win. All right, all right. The first three are pretty good. I have, to, I have to have hope that we will finish Battlestar. Yes. You know, it, at least before the end of the world. <laughs> Thanks well, for the chuckle. I mean, come on. Do we have, do we have any ideas here? Like, I, I was actually trying to rack my brain for this, and I, I really don't know. It's, it almost seems sadistic to, like, to contemplate how, how do I want to see the world end in a movie that I've never seen it end before? Fish start attacking. No, that's coming out. Piranhas in 3D. Mm-hmm. That's, that's coming. Um, <laughs> Piranhas in 3D. Oh, did you not see the trailer before Avatar? I I, didn't I have, have not it. seen did Avatar. I, I may have seen it. I don't remember it. Yeah, though. it was in there. Um, maybe maybe I'm just it's it's kind of mundane, but I'm thinking like a a Mother Nature fights back, but in a more subtle way. So not you know natural disasters destroy the world, but. All of a sudden, we find out that the you mean the of, happening? Yeah, the happening. Spoiler alert! We've we've already made that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. sorry. Damn it! I also okay. have that. I also have that. If you'd like to uh, waste a few hours, you bought that. Yeah, for two dollars at Hastings. Hmm. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, so it's that's the input. already been made. It's the input. I, I know. I'm the, the same way, man. But there's a, there's a, there's a chart like quality versus price. And if it mm-hmm. falls under a certain range, I will buy it. So, okay, the happening's been done. So Mother Nature kills everybody subtly. What else? Yep. Hmm. Um, okay, well, I don't know if Sean, Sean will... I'm, I'm certain that Sean Brackett will listen to this at some point. But uh, <laughs> I think that some, something that deserves some more explanation and you know, a little bit more consideration in the world of fiction is what if we had no moon? Um, Ooh, there is a uh, there's a delightful like Discovery Channel type special on you know what the moon does for us and and things like that and you know what if we didn't have one but I think that might be an interesting you know conjecture as far as what if what if the moon drifted away or you know there was a something. TV show also the time machine in the time machine at least the remake version I know they they destabilize the moon and it breaks apart. And it causes like earthquakes and all of the the stuff on the Earth that would happen if the moon weren't there. Yeah, Kevin. Ooh, go ahead. Ooh. Three Moons Over Milford is an American science fiction dramedy set in a picturesque town in southern Vermont. Shortly before the series began, an asteroid hits the moon, shattering it into three fragments, threatening to eventually fall to Earth and end life. Ooh. Thus, the continuous threat of an imminent Judgment Day causes many people to question their lives and live them to extremes by quitting jobs, indulging vices, and living as if each day were their last. Came out in 2006. Lasted for a month and a half. Oh. Huh. Um, totally just remember that, but the, the No Moon thing reminded me of that. I wonder if it's on DVD. Probably. Probably not. I'm not seeing it. No. That's Nothing about it on Wikipedia. Um, well, so, so that's a, let's just make that our pick. Moon gets blowed up. Okay. I like that. <laughs> Yay. Wait, Yay, did you hear that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because we're sadists. Yeah. Uh, there was one mentioned in chat that I kind of liked. Um, uh, the reality show that is life on Earth for an alien race gets canceled. Hmm. Okay. You know, I'm cool with that. <laughs> oh, and Kathleen mentioned, I don't know if she's talking about the moon, but it drifted away while some of us were settling on it. Uh, that was, in fact, the plot to Space 1999. Mm-hmm. And Boone is a harsh mistress. That's not the plot. The moon is a harsh mistress. Well, settling on the moon, roughly. That's not the plot. The moon is a harsh mistress. Isn't it? No, the moon is a harsh mistress as much no, after settlement has been made. Oh, okay. Uh, well, it's still about moon... settlement on the moon. No, it's not about settlement. It's about revolution. It's about it's the beginning freaking... of the country. Technicality. It's completely different. <sighs> no. Ted, back me up on this. Settling a place versus building a government on it. It's about life on the moon. Well, you're changing what you said originally, though. Yeah. Life on the moon is okay, much different right. than settling it. Well, <laughs> fine. Touche. Uh, you win this round. The Moon is a Mars Mistress. Probably my favorite fictional book of all time, Stephen. Okay. Don't, don't, don't pull punches this one, because I won't. I'm going to slug you right. in the face. All right. All right. Knowledge. All right, Kevin. Down boy. <laughs> 
<sighs> well, I guess we've sort of had our fill of, of thinking about the end of the world here on this episode of Bad Philosophy. So uh, we'll go ahead and wrap things up on this show. Any final comments, gentlemen? Uh, say if this were the last episode of Bad Philosophy ever, what would you say? I love McDonald's French fries. Jed? This edamame is delicious. Yeah, and you I would probably food. say That's my... Y'all both Sorry, mentioned good. food. Yeah, that is interesting. But And I would probably say my ass hurts. But anyways, thank you, gentlemen, for coming on this episode. Uh, Kevin, thank you for Skyping in from your uh, your humble university there. We're, it's fun. We're, we're still waiting on you to actually get somebody from Miami to come on Bad Philosophy. How's that coming? I'll let you know when it happens. Okay. Hopefully sufficiently before it happens. Yeah. I'll give you at least a day's warning. <laughs> okay. That's about right. And, uh, Jed, you didn't get nearly as much. You got about a three hours warning that you were going to be on this show. So thank you for, for coming on at the last minute, drugged up as you are. No problem. I enjoyed uh, it. I want to say we, we all hope your, your leg heals extremely fast and that you won't have to be uh, out of the action for too long. Oh, well, thank you. I, I appreciate the kind wishes. You know what you need to do once your leg is healed is, uh, is start, a, uh, start the roller rink back up in our uh, civic center that's been empty for a year. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know that I will be roller skating within the next year, okay. at least. So. Well, we, we hope that you will become an, an advocate for roller skate safety, at least. I, I will indeed be an, a roller skate safety advocate <laughs> from here on out in my life. <laughs> Start Remember, the wear a helmet here. and knee pads. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and barrel for the little kids. That wouldn't have helped you at all. I know, but, you know, it, it, <laughs> it, it probably would have helped that child that I ran you. over. <laughs> well, yeah, we don't care about the kids. No, no, uh, we don't. We don't really. <clears throat> All right, well, you can follow uh, Kevin at twitter.com slash kevson, K-E-V-S-A-U-N-D. You can follow Jed at Linux, that's L-I-N-N-I-X. Please send him a a get well wish on Twitter if you get a moment. And uh, you can follow the show here at Bad Philosophy, twitter.com slash Bad Philosophy. You can follow me if you you care. I'm I'm currently in the process of uh, using the RetroBright treatment on some old Macs of mine, so if you like computer restoration follow me on twitter it's twitter.com slash s torrence s-t-o-r-r-e-n-c-e we thank y'all for listening uh we hope we get another episode in before the end of the world and we'll see you next time on bad philosophy bad philosophy episode 57 Frack, I said it wrong. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> See, I'm remember what the, it's hard, remember right? Right, you appreciate what I do now, don't you? <laughs> hey, you've done it 56 times. <laughs> it's the end of the world as we know it. It's, it's the end of the world as we know it. So we drove out to Level Land to eat at some random Mexican place, and then we decided that we were going to go roller skating afterwards. And so... We're skating around and stuff, having a good time, and I'm realizing how old I am because my like my shins hurt and stuff. And so we're just about to leave, and uh, I'm pretty much ready to go. And uh, so I'm like, oh, I'll go around one more time. And so these little kids are screwing around right in front of me, and they both crash into each other and like right in front of me. So I, uh, you know, I can't stop in time and trip over one of them, and just basically my left leg was behind my right leg and. I could just hear it pop three times, so I assume my ankle coming out and then the two bones breaking. Badphilosophy.com. I'm on drugs.